How you doing this Sunday? I I I I see you're a little, I see a little, little, little under the weather, as they say. Yeah, I I got the plague, Nolan. Um, I don't know what plague, but something. Maybe I shouldn't joke about that. Hey, after after what happened to Europe, you're gonna be like that. Um, oh, after what happened to Europe, as in like the actual plague, like the actual Black Death. Yeah, man. People don't forget. I thought you were referring to that guy. Do you remember when like COVID first happened and there was like that video that went viral of that guy being like, everybody, I just returned from Wuhan. And it was like, <laughs> it was like February 20th of 2020. And it was like, like everybody got kicked off this flight because this fucking asshole told everybody he got COVID. Yeah, dude, I remember that. that that's something you shouldn't joke about. But no, I was in, I was in Saskatoon all last week. Um, for our American listeners, yes, that is a real city that exists. Um, there was a big agriculture show there. So I was talking about farming and I don't know what happened, but I, I woke up Friday and I thought I was just tired, but good Lord almighty. I've been on the couch all week. Um, I haven't ate like drinking water is hard. My body hurts. So I'm, we're recording this episode. I got fuzzy socks. I got sweats. I got a hoodie with a sweater underneath and a toque on, and I'm still cold. So this is just an example. The boys are always ready to work. We're all we're we're always ready to to give it our all and 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 do another show Juan for Juan. You are the you are the definition of the grind set mentality. Dude, I would I just want to be a Mark Shifley level gamer. And then I can go, it's Miles Fox. <laughs> well, dude, no. I hate I'm so <laughs> tired of those commercials. Uh those Hyundai commercials. I remember we talked about it a few episodes ago and we got I think I called it Kia, but no, after seeing it 10,000 times it over the hallway, Hyundai. it, it is, is definitely Hyundai. Con- confirmed per Darren Hyundai. And also confirmed per Darren, I was wrong. It's regressing to the mean. You were right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I you got. Know, <laughs> you know why I know that is because uh, the no, no free ads, but uh, the hockey PDO cast, which is an incredible, incredible name for a podcast, by the way, um, Dmitry Filipovich's show. It uh, the opening says regressing to the mean scene since 2015. It's the hockey PDO cast, so that's how I know it. So suck it, Miles. Do you know how I know it that, that you were right? Uh, because our friend uh, Medium J told you. No, we got a flood of probably four or five Instagram DMs that said Nolan's right. I got one at 8:45 in the morning. Imagine starting your day like that. <laughs> Imagine starting your day with assault. Yeah, so things are things are great. I'm healthy, happy, and thriving. You know who else is happy, healthy, and thriving, Nolan? Don't jinx it. You're Edmonton Oilers. The boys are back in town. We've got a big episode coming up here uh, as we are one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven games. No, we don't. We actually have seven games to talk about. We have seven games. Yeah. So we've condensed it. Don't worry. We're not going to make you listen through uh, all seven of them. Quick recaps and then just a couple of the good ones that we wanted to share our full thoughts 
thoughts and opinions on. After that, we'll move into some quick Oilers shit, some hefty NHL shit. Uh, once that's done, as always, we'll wrap it up with Rockstar of the Week. And next week's agenda, get you out of here crisp and clean with no no caffeine, like a Sprite or 7-Up. I don't know, oh, one of them. I got, I, got, I got a little caffeine, my guy. You got a little caffeine? I got a little water. Because that'll... That, is it at least hot water so it'll keep you warm? Oh God, no! It's cold water. Dude, my brother, you should ha- you should have a you should have a nice crispy tea or a nice crispy neo citron. Ah, well, Nolan, wouldn't that be a good idea? I'm, except that I'm still at my dad's because my house isn't done yet. Ah, it's not gone yet. <laughs> ah, yeah, no. So I don't know where anything is, and he's gone. So I can't ask him where stuff is. So I just sit here and struggle. You know, before we before we start, before we close up, you being cold, you, you know, it's an elite feeling. Taking a little bit of Advil cold and flu and washing it down with some Neo Citroen. Doctors Oof. don't recommend it, but boy, does it put you on cloud nine. Yeah, dude, I live on the edge. I had the weirdest codeine fever dream last night, too. I don't know if I should talk about it. Had... Where are you going? 1738. <laughs> uh, I was like future in Dirty Sprite, too. <laughs> just laying in my bed sweating anyway nolan let's go back in time let's go back to january 3rd when when life was sweet and we were all just buzzing off of an off of a new year's eve crush and uh the, the oilers had the the seattle kraken coming into town a game that we have called payback is a dish best served cold now the oilers beat these guys the week before fairly handedly we laughed recapping that game about my brother-in-law being a kraken fan about how martin jones being your plan b is so funny blah 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 and the oilers came out in that game the way that they finished the previous game by scoring goals where nuge highlight reel mcdavid uh they both got a goal oilers are up two boys are feeling good and then the Oilers, dot, 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 they Oilered. So four unanswered cracking goals in the second period saw Stu, our golden child, chased after he allowed four goals on 16 shots. I don't know if I'd say that all four of those were his fault. Like, by I say, I don't know. I would, I would absolutely say that two of them weren't his fault. One was like a redirect. And then one was like a slap pass backdoor that nobody was covering the guy sitting, sitting on the post. So um, certainly wouldn't put all that on Stu. Either way, he gets chased and the Oilers look completely deflated. Uh, the Oilers outshot the crack in that game when all was said and done 32 to 24 and won 20 or sorry, 62% of the draws, but clearly puck luck and effort was not on their side. News broke the day after the game that Jay Woodcroft went nuclear in the second period intermission and rightfully so happy new year. Oilers fans. We still suck. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, yeah. I was I was really angry after this game, like really, really, really. Ang- Actually, I don't think I was as angry as a uh, game we're about to get to, though. Oh, um, so we'll just go right into the next game, uh, in which uh, the Oilers gave us a little bit of cautious optimism, needless to say, as they pulled off a four-two victory over the New York Islanders. Uh, only a couple days later, but to recap shortly, uh, after much outcrying from some of the fans, including myself, uh, Clem Costin got elevated to the first line. Uh, to play with Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman as the New York Islanders are in town. And uh, it was confirmed on Twitter.com that after the Kraken loss, the leadership group had a players-only meeting to kind of get this thing back on track, Um, which we love to see, but talk is cheap. And so we actually need to see a little bit of a response out of them. Um, Leon Dreisaitl would pop the top and, and got the Oilers the lead. 
<laughs> Yamo Toed on the PK increases that lead to two. McDervidson gets his 500th career assist, and Leon gets his 400th career assist in the same game. Super cute stuff. The Islanders and Oil would trade blows. Hollywood undead Holloway goal from Bro and Cloud. That's sick. With this fini- with this finishing 4-2 Oilers, 38-22 would be the shots in favor of the Oilers. One for four on the power play, three for three on the PK. Jack Campbell made 20 saves for the W. Great response. And this really was a great response. really was like a great response. It was a top-down effort, and it seemed like everybody were all firing on all cylinders. Loved it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you couldn't tell when Nolan was reading the, um, that, that I type like a, like a, overgrown frat child but yeah the the yamo toey was super sweet and i think i just think it's funny that leon and connor same game both hitting a milestone just wow hey isn't that isn't that something it makes me happy but much like the whole entire connor mcdavid era it also just makes me super sad to realize (laughs) that we're getting to a point where it's like okay these guys are these guys are like dominating to a point and we still don't have a stanley cup win like this is kind of embarrassing think it's kind of funny i think it's kind of sad um i'm gonna keep that idea of singing of, of my performance going here when i do a little eminem impression snap back to reality Three to two overtime loss. Oilers versus Colorado on January seventh at home. Yikes! First time playing the Avs since the Western Conference final sweep. The Avs are coming into this on a five-game losing streak, so the Oilers need to take advantage of this as they are sitting in the final Western Conference wildcard spot, being chased by this very Avalanche team. Zachary Martin Hyman opens the scoring on the power play from Leon and Connor. One nothing Oilers. Good stuff. Second period. Zachary Martin Hyman on the power play. He scores. From Barry and Leon Dreisaitl, 2-0 Oilers. This is exactly what the doctor ordered. So for two periods, the Oilers are playing a clean game. They're doing a good job of limiting the chances from the Avalanche. Fair. Yeah. They're doing a good job. We're giving them a good job. I'll I'll give them a fine job. They they were fine job. they were whole there. When I first checked this game, because I was not able to watch this game for the first little bit, I was watching Big. Top Gun. I was watching Top Gun Maverick for my fifth time with I. Uh, Taylor's friends and because they hadn't seen it yet and I checked during the first period and when I checked the shots were like 20 to 2 and I'm like okay we've got a serious issue on our hands what's going on so my rating scale is like awful shitty good fantastic super so good is fair so I think we're on the same I think we're on the same page yeah okay okay that that's fair I'll give you that yeah Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I'm happy. I'm just happy to be here. So third period comes around and Tron Natron McKinnon scores his tenth of the year to cut that lead to one. And then uh, who the who who's this? Uh, who's this bury- guy over here? You're burying the lead on this one. Who's this just, guy over here? He didn't just score. He sliced and diced Cody Cece and Darnell Norris Nurse. An absolute embarrassment from our like what. Th- Twelve million dollar top pairing. Hey, oh, what are you gonna do about it? It's Nate, you know. Have it's, a goal. It's, it's so hard not to tweet nine point two. I, I, I think I actually tweeted this from the from the one for one account. I was like, I, I was like, my toxic trade is tweeting nine point two five million. <laughs> I mean, it's getting harder and harder not to, man. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, so Natron slices and dices, unbelievable. Still up to one, but then this guy, who's this guy? Who's Brad Hunt? getting his first of the season to make it two to two 
Uh, there's about 12 minutes left in the game, and we're tied. And this third period, what? Who's Brad Hunt? You don't remember Brad Hunt? Former Oiler. Former Oiler, baby. Uh, who is this guy? Get him out yeah. of here. Yeah. What are you doing here? Get him out of here. There's no loyalty amongst thieves. So there's 12 minutes left in the game, and it's kind of back and forth, back and forth. I think it was like 12 to 8 or something like that where the shots went all of a sudden done in the third period. So the Oilers were able to do an okay job. Uh, a fair job, a fine job of uh, limiting those chances and putting a few chances themselves on Gagorov or Gagoriev or Georgiev. whatever whatever guy they got from the Rangers. So we go into overtime, and Kale McCarr steps into some open ice with uh, about two minutes off the clock, and he puts the game-winning goal by Stuart Skinner to end this one 3-2. The Avs put 46 shots on goal to the Oilers' 30. The Oilers went 2-5 for five on the power play and were able to kill all four of the Avs' power play chances. So looking at this Oilers team and what they usually do, uh, you know, uh, Flames fan Kyle likes to call them power play merchants, which again, they did here. They got both their goals this game on the power play, whatever, not a big deal. They kill both of the penalty or all four of the penalty kill opportunities that, that were, you know, they, they put themselves in and they really seem to lose this one five on five. Uh, very disappointing given the Avs injury problems and their, their slide going into this one. Great game from the skin dogs, stopping 43 shots. But again, this is one that you hope doesn't come back in March to bite him in the butt. Yeah, that was a that was a really frustrating game, man. I um I I was able to watch the overtime period and I just kind of knew it was it was ending right there because it just the the Avs just had momentum the entire way and like you kind of said it's like they just put their foot on the gas in the third period and that's what Stanley Cup winning teams do and they did exactly that. So big 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 learning game from this team and, and shows and shows the Oilers that they're they're still not even in the same ballpark as some of these top flight contenders because this is a team that's still missing Gabriel Landeskog so I mean missing a massive piece on their team and um, like three defensemen yeah it, exactly what well, yeah they're missing Josh Manson I believe as well they obviously got McCarr they got Taves I believe Gerard's back in the lineup but I mean it's still a team that's been riddled by injuries needless to say yeah, so it it if we look at the if if we take a step back and we look at the playoff picture as it sits right now, it's the Flames and the Oilers like by far ahead of all the other teams for the last two wild card spots. But the team right behind them is the Avalanche, and if they're able to get healthy and get hot like any team of that caliber can, oh boy, look out! You got to hope somebody else in the top falls off. I think more likely than not, they're gonna make a charge well enough to to beef up to that. Um, central division and get a spot in there and maybe knock somebody into the wild card race that way where the Oilers are a little bit more competitive against them. But I don't know. I think there's still a lot of correction that needs to happen in, in some of these standings, but nonetheless worried when it's the abs that are right behind you. Yeah, I could see, um, um, I could, uh, cause where are they right now? 52 points. And then the, that, so 52 points for the, for the wild. Colorado's got 45, so they still got quite quite a bit of runway to make up. The the biggest issue with, with where the Oilers stand right now is the Oilers have played 45 games. Yeah, so, Colorado's got like four in hand or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's that's a bit of a that's a bit of a tough one right there. But you have to try and make the 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 key now. Well, we're we'll get to this once we kind of get to once we kind of get through all these games here. Um, but you would expect you you would expect that uh, out of this game, the the Oilers would take this as like, you know what? We lost in overtime. It's fine. We'll make it work. Um, we'll take these lessons and we'll, and we'll move on to the next game. Going to California, 
going into LA, going into the Staples Center, crypto.com, whatever the hell it is. And uh, California, here we go. Oh, shit. With a 6-3 loss to the LA Kings. Um, West Coast Road Trip starts off in Hollywood, where the Oilers will have a big chance to take it to an LA team. They really like to leapfrog down the road, which we'll get to that. Uh, Phoenix Copley versus Jack Campbell as Skinner went back to Edmonton to be with his wife. Oh, no. Um, no, no, it wasn't this one. Um, uh, Skinner, Skinner was in for this game, sorry. Because he, 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 he ended up getting pulled for this one. He missed, uh, he missed the Anaheim and all that stuff. Um, so, uh, but uh, unfortunately it didn't really matter because, uh, the Oilers kept on giving power plays to, uh, LA and, uh, Kevin and Kevin Fiala cashed the check twice to give the, to give the Kings an early two, nothing lead. Excellent stuff. You love to see it. Uh, Kyle Yamamoto then gets one back before the end of the frame from Dar- uh, Darnell Nurse and Evan Bouchard. We have life two one Kings and then Kempe Kempe PP <laughs> times two. <laughs> To start the second, what in the sweet hell is going on in Los Angeles? Will Ferrell is wearing a bucket hat and no one knows what to do. <laughs> Clowder then gets one before the teams head to the locker room down 4-2. Evan Bouchard and, and uh, Philip Broberg with the apples. Normally we'd be ecstatic, but the Oilers had no chance on this night because Alex Iafalowood scores the seventh. Connor McDavid would get his 34th. Victor Arvidsson will put one in the empty net to finish things off. 6-3 Kings. Kings threw 38 shots on goal to the Oilers, 31. Kings were four for seven on the power play. Good Lord. While the Oilers got completely shut out, 0 for six. Please leave the Staples Center or whatever they call it now with your tails between your legs. And for the love of God, beat the two shitty Pacific water animal teams like you're going into Misty's gym in Pokemon Blue. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Those are really unique <laughs> phrasing terms, Nolan. I can't believe that we're we're so on the same page there. I'm so but... friggin' white. It's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> you remember Pokemon Blue? Did you have Pokemon Blue? Miles, I hate to break it to you. I didn't play Pokemon at all growing up. I didn't really have a Game Boy. Oh. Yeah. I I was I I was I was a console gamer growing up. I had a I had a PlayStation One when I was five. Moved onto the PlayStation Two, and then my very first portable concert was a PSP. Okay. <laughs> Nothing to say. To that. <laughs> well, I mean, I just I, I didn't I didn't really ask, but I appreciate the history lesson. You're po- you're very welcome. I'll go fuck myself. Pokemon Blue was sick. Pokemon Blue was. Like, I can't think of anything better to say other than sick. So I'm just really sad that you didn't get to experience that. And I think that we could have had a really nice, really nice uh, discourse on, you know, on Pokemon. But that's fine. Because uh, speaking of Pokemon and little characters, uh, the Oilers were off to Anaheim, Disney World. You can take these next two games, by the way. I would love to take these next two games because I've titled this one, Go Touch Some Z-Grass as the Oilers win 6-2 to two in Anaheim. Okay, so you lost to the depleted Avalanche and then to an LA Kings team that you really, really, really needed a win against. Skinner, uh, as mentioned, is away. He is going back to Edmonton to be with his wife as they're expecting their first child. Side note, did you see the, the incel comment guy on Twitter? Yeah, the guy being yeah. like, you gotta, you gotta, this be a is the big leagues. Yeah, yeah, that's come on, man. That's just You're some of the biggest league. bullshit I've ever seen. Yeah, like rare, like rare Specter W is being like, w- w- was like him quote tweeting that guy and be like, this is a normal person. Yeah, exactly. Any hoosers. So Skinner's away. Uh, your emergency backup goalie, Calvin Pickard, and 
D-man Vinny DeHarnay I uh, are making joining the team, coming to hang out there in the fold. Please just win. So Holloway, Nuge, McDavid, Costin, Costin, and Dry. What do they all have in common, Nolan? Did they all score? They were all goal scorers in this one. They all collected goals as the Oilers peppered John Gibson with 53 shots en route to a 6-2 W. And we're not talking an on route in Ontario. We're talking about an en route to a W in Cali. Not much more to say here other than you simply love Free. to see it. This was also, by the way, the first game that Dylan Holloway got to play up in the top six since the beginning of the season when he turned the puck over to Elias Pettersson and... The uh, so oh, this what? was his this was his very first game with Connor mcdavid and how does he reward jay woodcroft by scoring with like 30 seconds in ah uh, just a legendary tuck we love to see it from undead hollywood hollywood undead holloway such a little hottie too you better get up out the way all right so then we're gonna go north we're going north in california to uh the kevin o'leary and the shark tank 7-1 w against san jose january 13th Recap, a perfect opportunity for momentum here against the Sharks team that is reportedly looking to get three first-round picks for Eric Carlson, LOL. The usual suspects, Conrad McDavidson, Crispy Kleem, Nuge Dry. <clears throat> We're going to try it here. The throat's a little sore. Yes, Sipuli Harvey. And Excellent Ryan, work. Excellent thank you. Work. And Ryan McLeod all scored goals in this one. Shout out to the previously mentioned Vinny D, not a member of the Jersey Shore, Jersey Shore squad. We were talking about Vinny D, Vincent DeHarnay, who got his first career NHL point on the clean goal. Uh, double shout out here. This is not one that we normally do, but shout out to the to the Sharks' lone goal scorer in this one, one Oscar Lindblom, who has had a tumultuous NHL career so far after getting dumped by the Flyers this offseason, you know, freshly off beating cancer. Uh, he found his home in San Jose. So welcome back, kid. Congrats on the goal. Soup Daddy, he made 25 saves for the win. The Oilers had 41 shots to the Sharks, 26, and went two for four on the power play, also killing all four opportunities the Sharks had with the man advantage. Go, Oilers, go. I smash my cat. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I've said this multiple times this season. You have to beat bad teams. It does not matter. Like, a win is a win. And the nice part about this is that it's two very convincing wins against two really bad teams. Um, with the with the Ducks, like, they straight up just kicked the ever-loving shit out of them. That team wants Connor, like, wants Connor Bedard so badly. It's It's actually quite funny. And it also gives me, like, flashbacks to the horribleness of the Dallas Eakins era in Edmonton. Like that, oh. like his D zone coverage. Ugh. Sorry, you said the Ducks are playing shitty, and it reminds well, you of the Dallas Eakins era Oilers. Yes. Well, it's hilarious. Who's behind the bench for the Ducks? Oh my God, it's Dallas Eakins. <laughs> Who could it be? <laughs> but um, and then on the flip side of the coin, with the San Jose Sharks. I actually think that they're coached quite well. I don't know if you I don't know if you noticed this when when you were watching the game, but I like that team works pretty hard. Like even though they aren't very good, they work pretty hard and I think they've got a pretty decent structure. It just at the end of the day, it's like Capo Kakinen is not a very good goalie. Um and they have like Mark Edward Vlasic playing important minutes on this team, kind of a yikes. And we'll get to him because I would like to kind of wrap up. A, a bunch of, of like I just wanted to sort of touch on a couple key guys when we kind of get to the end of this but Jock Campbell 
don't look now, but he's playing pretty well. Um, Gonna find some wood to knock on. Yeah. But one one thing I wanted to say about you saying that the Ducks are wanting Connor Bedard so bad is not so fast because the Blackhawks gave up six goals to the Kraken on seven shots last night. So they're 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 right there too. They're like, hey, I know you want you want this kid. So do we. Let's uh, let's see who can race to the bottom faster. Because that man, I don't know if you watched that game or saw the highlights, but uh, is it Jake McC- Jake McCabe? Yeah, yeah. He was scoring at will from wherever he wanted, and Alex Stalock was just getting puck shot through him. Oh, it, were you, it um, was a, you're talking um, Jared McCann. Jared McCann, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's Jared McCann. Sorry, because Jake McCabe is the D man on the on the Blackhawks. Yeah, so yeah. quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah, quite the opposite. So the guy on the crack, and he was rifling shots like directly through the leg pads of the of poor Alex Daylock. So yeah, that game was gross. That game was not fun to see. Yeah, poor one out for former Alex Daylock. Um, well, that gets us to last night, which I have to say, I think this might be for this team a game of the year nominee. Um. Because coming off of back-to-back ass whoopings, uh, or, or uh, try that again, Jesus. try that again. Let me let me try that again. This was game of the year nominee, and it culminated in a four-three win for the Edmonton Oilers over the Vegas Golden Knights. Because coming off of back-to-back ass whoopings of the Ducks and the Sharks, the team had to generate some positive momentum coming to T-Mobile Arena for a statement win, and this is a, a win that's going to say we're still in this thing. We're going to make up some ground in the standings, and we're here to actually contend. Um, and actually, funnily enough, I was uh, at the cottage this weekend, and I was uh, when, um, when the game started, I was actually playing a little game called Beerapalooza. Pretty cool. Um, and I checked it roughly around 10:20 Eastern time, and the Oilers were already up by two. And I like cheered at the table. I was so excited because I was expecting it to be actually quite the opposite. Um, because after Tyson Berry wired one to Matthias Yamark to combine for the most anti one for one goal score this year, <laughs> 35 seconds of the game, Leon Dreisidel then forces a turnover at the Knights' blue line. Con- uh, uh, Connor McDervid uh, uh, puts it on net, stopped. Zachary Martin Hyman tries, stopped. Oh, Oh, but luckily, here's this little guy, a little uh, perennial hunter point man. Oh, his name's Leon Dreisettle. Finds the open net, and the hot bitch puts it past Logan Thompson less than three minutes in. Holy shit, I'm on fucking cloud nine right now. Nearing the end of the third, though, the young duo of um, of uh, Bushberg or Brochard, I don't know what, what we want to call it, we'll workshop it, uh, uh, get caught out there, and their lack of phys- physicality allows Keegan Colsar to score his fifth of the season, 2-1 at the end of the first, but the shots were 16-9 for the Oilers, and all the positive energy stayed in their direction. Sec- uh, second period was a little bit more even in play, but the hot bitch Leon decides a one-goal lead isn't enough. And looks off Darnell Nurse on a two-on-one, 3-1 Oilers midway in the second. And then, a few minutes later, after getting hemmed in their own zone, uh, Cody Cece loses the battle with his man, and Paul Cotter scores his sixth of the season. I says, fucking who, Miles? Paul Cotter? (laughs) 3-2 Oilers. Literally, while Sportsnet showed the Cotter goal graphic on screen, Matthias Yamark goes fuck it and bounces one off the boards to find the hottest man in the NHL, Kleem Kostin, Mr. Kleem, the Kleem Reaper, who also looks off a teammate on a two-on-one. This time, first overall pick Ryan Nugent Hopkins to restore that to a two-goal lead, putting the Oilers in the driver's seat going into the third. Er, 
just kidding. William Carlson decides that he's going to score with 40 seconds left. One goal game going into the third. Now, the good news about this game is that the team never felt flustered. They never felt like they were going to... Um, they just didn't feel like they were going to break. And that was the thing I was worried about most, is like, what's going to happen when this team starts to put a little bit of pressure on? And they responded really well. They held Vegas to only nine shots in the third period. I believe quite a few of those coming in the dying minutes of the third period. But Jack Campbell and the rest of the team closed the door including a player that, um, uh, well, uh, I was going to say, uh, uh, well, Jay Woodcroft channeled his inner John Ta- Taffer and instructed his team to shut it down. Um, <laughs> like, but the, the one thing I was really impressed about with this game is who was out there in the final minutes of this game? Vinny DeHarnay. And I don't know about you, Miles, but I've been really impressed. Yeah, I, I've been impressed too, but the I mean, <clears throat> he, what am I trying to say? The the games he's played have been against two shitty teams and Vegas. So, or did he even get in against Anaheim? He oh, played he, in Anaheim. Yeah, yeah, he played in Anaheim. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I completely agree with you. That's why I'm, I am trying to sort of, trying to uh, um, rein it in a little bit. But there's... There's simple things that even a guy like Darnell Nurse, you you watch Darnell Nurse, even if it's against a really shitty team like Anaheim or San Jose, will just make a boneheaded decision with the puck. And with Vinny DeHarnay, he's just in the right place at the right time. Nobody's asking him to be a top-pairing defenseman. Nobody's asking him to be a freaking Chris Pronger. But as a like third-pairing sheltered guy, He's in the right place at the right time, knows how to make the simple play. And the best part is, is that he also uses his line mates really well. So if he's in, if he's in his own zone and he's thinking, okay, I've got, uh, I've got Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Zach Hyman up the ice, I'm not going to try and make an outlet pass to them and probably get it picked off because I'm going to look like a fool. So what do I do? Pass it off to Darnell Nurse because he's a little bit more experienced in doing that. And... I just really like that. And he's a big, rangy guy that doesn't necessarily have that quick sort of... He, he, like, he, he doesn't have the quick boots on him, but he's got the long stride. So you, don't, you never think that he's necessarily slow because he's able to get to all these places at the right time. And it looks like laterally he's able to kind of get into the proper position most of the time. And it, it just, it's really impressive to me. And it's just a very simple game. And I just hope that Jay Woodcroft and the rest of the coaching staff allow him to just continue to play that simple game. Because who knows, could this be a nice little seventh defenseman that comes in for a playoff run? I don't see why not. Maybe, yeah. He made a really nice play against Anaheim in a in a nothing situation where there, you know, there's nothing nothing to lose, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a guy in his face. A forward was charging him, and he just backhanded the puck a little bit ahead of his partner so that it could bank off the wall right onto his tape. Beautiful play, veteran play. Vinny D fist pumping all night long. There was one other thing I wanted to say. A couple other things I wanted to say about this game against Vegas. Um, Leon looking off the teammate when they were coming in, looking off nurse when they were coming in for the goal, uh, honey, he wasn't looking him off. He never even fucking glanced at nurse. <laughs> he had that labeled for the top corner. Um, but looked him off is funny. It is true. Right. But that was a laser. That was such a laser of a goal. It was a beautiful shot. Um, another one I wanted to talk about Jack Eichel in this game. 
always love to pay attention to the Eichel versus McDavid games. And I don't know if anybody listening watched the after hours that they did, but it sounds like Eichel's dealing with a little bit of an injury because he certainly, he was minus three in this game. He didn't look like he had anything going. And that doesn't seem like a regular Jack Eichel game to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, I, I, I don't know what it is about Vegas and their freaking training staff, but that team always has injuries. We've, I mean, we forgot to mention that Mark Stone was out for this game as well. So mm-hmm. that's a pretty big loss. But you obviously hope for the best for Jack Eichel, but it's, uh, I mean, Connor McDavid classically has Jack Eichel's number. <laughs> yeah, he always he, he does have his number, and it's number two, Burn. Um, did you see what ha- what they're talking about with Alex Pietrangelo after the game? No, I actually didn't get to watch After Hours. So this was actually a really nice story, and I just I want to talk about it super quick because it was cute and nice and uh, has a good good ending to it. And a, a nice reminder that, uh, especially with what happened in the NFL with Demar Hamlin, that you know these guys are are people that have lives outside of the game, right? So Alex Pietrangelo famously won a cup with the St. Louis Blues in 2019. He welcomed triplets into the world in 2018 with his wife. So his kids are like four now. She's they a have, warrior. Yeah. So they had they got they had another kid in 2020. So they got four little kids. So of his triplets, two boys, one girl. The little girl got sick a couple of weeks ago in in early December, and the sickness, I guess, the infection went all the way up to her brain, and she was very very sick in the hospital. They didn't know if she was going to make it. She was on a breathing tube and a feeding tube, and he actually stepped away from for nine games from the night so that he could focus on being with his family and like little kids do miraculously she made a full recovery she's going to be okay all signs are pointing in the right direction that it was just you know a really scary incident but nothing with lasting effects so his first game back his whole family was actually able to make it and there's a really nice uh, moment of them they're all standing uh, ice side while he's doing warm-ups and he goes and gives all the little kids fist bumps on the glass and the daughter that was in the hospital she's there wearing his jersey and the wife's crying and Alex is crying and the little girl's crying. And it's just, it's very, very sweet and very nice that uh, she was able to make a full recovery and a good reminder that these guys have so much going on in their lives outside of just trying to make us happy. So shout out to Alex Pietrangelo, man. Good guy, good Canadian kid. Um, and just happy that everything's okay with his family because that's so, so sad. And I'm just very, very happy it all worked out for him. Yeah, absolutely. And it feels like there's so much bad news nowadays. It's like it, it's nice to finally it's nice to finally have some of that bad news being turned into a little bit of positive sort of a little bit of a positive spin. So it's good to see. I'm actually really happy you brought that up. So thank you, Miles. No problem. And hey, if that's too much sappy stuff for you, just wait for the rock star of the week because I'm going to bring a little bit of degeneracy back into the fold. Oh, yeah, you are. Um, I, I, I brought him up earlier, but being quite impressive. Um, but uh Miles, I, I just want to read a couple numbers to you, okay? Are you going to? Are we talking about Jackery Campbell? So just, just hold on. Six games played, four wins, one loss. Not great, but point nine one five save percentage. Bubbly garbage. And a two point oh two GAA. Jackery Campbell, ladies and gentlemen, and that's including three straight starts, including two back to back. Hot. Hot soup. That's all. All we. That's all we're asking for. Just league average. I don't. I don't need you to be a Vesna candidate, Jack. Just. Just league average, please. Yeah, and man. If, him. Do, him doing that. Well, Skinny's gone. That's massive. Massive. Oh, you, you honestly. You. You cannot. You cannot undersell how how important it was. 
And another thing I want to give a shout out to is Mr. Jay Woodcroft and how he managed that game uh, leaving San Jose because they very clearly had the game in the bag. If you look at McDavid's ice time in the third period against San Jose, I think he played four minutes and 19 seconds. He was one second away from glory. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and that's, that's what... great, great job to rest his legs for a massive game coming up against the, the, the Knights the next, the very next day, right? Yeah. Asset no, I... management. I, man, I just, I, like, if, if there's one guy you really want success for this season, it's Jack Campbell. Um, you can tell that this has been really hard on him and has been really, uh, has been really difficult to kind of make that transition, especially, as I would also say probably from a very heavily changed defensive scheme than what he had in Toronto, because what he had in Toronto is very, like, they took those high danger chances away, and whereas with Edmonton right now, a lot of it is, like, we're going to give you a lot of shots, but we're also going to rework it going the other way. And we're going to score on the team as we're, we're going to try and score on the team faster than they can score on us. And unfortunately for a guy like Jack, I don't know if that really holds up all too well when it comes to his preparation and, and you know, his, like his overall game plan, but no good stuff. I like to see that. And I'm really happy that, uh, really happy that he's kind of turning the corner a little bit, knock on so much wood right now. Um, yeah. Did you have any thoughts on any other players or anything like that? Or did you want to uh, just get to the quick little Oilers notes here? Just liking what we're seeing three game streak. Oilers are going back home now. I believe that's, that's, that's cute. That's good stuff. And very, very famously stated on the broadcast against the Knights for anybody that was watching, they were showing the graphics that the Oilers are very much a better second half team Let's hope that that continues because they're they're doing what they need to to trend in that right direction. So hopefully when the Oilers, as we're going to talk about, get a certain player back, it's going to help make them a little bit deeper, a little bit better, and contribute to that second half success that they're so famous uh, to have. Yeah, um, Big Bobby's been hammering that one. Big Bobby Stoffer has been really hammering the uh, the whole, like, they're going to get Evander Kane back and they're going to be a hell of a lot better. And I hope so. I hope so for our sake. Um, as a quick little, quick little side note here, um, just wanted to quickly mention this. Uh, for last week, Miles, or well, last week up until last night, just ran some quick numbers. Uh, the Oilers are third in Corsi four at five on five. They are second in expected goals at five on five. They're riding a bit of a high PDO right now, but you know what? Positive signs. Positive signs so far. So. Let's keep this gravy train rolling. All, all we've been asking for is consistency. And what Connor McDavid said when he went on Tim and Friends, I still want to call it Tim and Sid, but we're going to call it Tim and Friends, I guess, just to, just to be nice to, to freaking Tim McAuliffe. Um, he kept on saying the Oilers are, in, er, are consistently inconsistent. So let's, let's turn this into positive consistency going forward. Um, want to give a quick shout out to Reed Schaefer and Team Canada, not Hockey Canada, just the players on winning the gold medal at the World Juniors this year. So that was cool to see. Uh, Connor Bedard finished with a absolutely heroic uh, run in uh, in the tournament. Not really coming close to the Peter Forsberg numbers, but Peter Forsberg also did have, I believe, like didn't he have like two like ten point games or something yeah. like that in his in in that in that run that he had. He had a 10-point game against Japan, and this something I wanted to mention super quickly. Bedard had 13 points against uh, Austria and Switzerland. So let's all just relax a little bit. Let's all just dial it back a little bit. 
Well, I, I still think he's quite good at hockey. Let's all let's all just let's all just sit down and have a glass of water and just relax a little bit. Connor Bedard is gonna be like is gonna is gonna be like a heart trophy winner and then is gonna be lifting a Stanley Cup in a second season and Miles will be like, I don't see it. No, I'm taking Mitch Koff. <laughs> I'm taking Mitch Koff for sure. I don't care if he's under contract for two more years. I want the Russian. Mitchkov is smoking cigarettes in Russia and Miles is like, that's the guy. That is the guy. That's what I want. Generational. Um, uh, I was going to say, uh, Miles, did, uh, did you have any thoughts on his, uh, on his little like post game? I don't want to talk about myself. I don't want to talk about him, man. That kid lives rent free in my mind. Comes back to the dub. He has like seven <laughs> goals in two games. Like, just a joke of a league. Just a joke of a league. And he's out here on easy mode playing against these guys. Okay. One thing I did want to talk about uh, hockey prospecting. They're like, if you're, if you're not familiar with them, they look at, um, they look at draft eligible players or prospects and they kind of compare what they think their NHL or probabilities and star probabilities are. Listen to f- the full comparables for Matt Vaymichkov, Wayne Gretzky, Paul Correa, Austin Matthews, Mario Lemieux, and Robert Reichel. Robert Reichel just yeah so like, just hey. throw that in at five but we take out Robert Reichel who was a good player who was a good NHL player Gretzky Korea Matthews and Lemieux that's pretty nasty pretty good pretty good yeah. players so what's Bedard's like the Keebler elf I don't know I, 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 still, I still think because uh, I believe that's Byron Bader that uh, that's in charge of that I think he's the one uh, he was the one that was sharing that I think um, I think the Connor Bedard one is still pretty crazy. And he's like, this is the best prospect I've seen since, since or at least the best prospect I've seen since at least Connor McDavid might also be since Sidney Crosby. Like, you know oh, what? Okay. If, if the kid didn't have the charisma of a slab of salmon, it might be a little bit easier to, to side with him. But I just, I don't know, man, I'm not about it. I'm a Actually, hater. Um, I was going to mention this because I like to just do um, when the Oilers are making me upset, I like to look at their prospects just to see if they, oh, if, can if they we, yeah, anything, anything decent. I just wanted to quickly mention because I always like to go on like elite prospects and you can pull up the Oilers, or you can pull up like a hockey team and then look at the, that like the players that the team has in the system and how they're performing. And it's kind of like they'll have them all stacked by like statistical analysis. Um, yeah, our little battalion boy. Uh, well, I was going to mention, uh, I was going to mention a little, uh, a Ruski, uh, Maxime Berezikin. So I don't think I've brought him up. I don't know if I've brought him up on the show before, um, but he was taken in the, in the 2020 draft, the Dylan Holloway draft, um, taken in the fifth round, 138th overall. I, I really liked this guy when they drafted him because he's six foot two, uh, and like 216 pounds. He's a big friggin' boy and he can skate fairly well. Um, scores with volume like looks to be a pretty decent offensive player and he's been kind of in between the MHL and VHL and and, and all that stuff but this year he's finally gotten called up and is playing regular KHL minutes he's playing with Lokomotiv Yaroslavl um, also the, the, the team that, uh, un, un, unfortunately about 10 years ago had that, had that horrible, uh, that, that horrible plane crash. Um, but he currently has 17 points in 36 games as a 21 year old playing in the KHL, like really impressive stuff. That's the second best league in the world. And that's that there's a really great numbers. 
Yeah, that's an complete. That's an absolutely impressive. What? Who? Who's our little guy? in in they used to be the Brampton Battalion, North Bay Battalion. No. Oh, uh, uh, Petrov. Metre Petrov. He's having a good little, good little run here too to start the year. Yeah, he's currently on pace to beat his last season. Um, let me actually just pull up the whole in the system thing right now. Um, Metve Petrov currently has 54 points in 39 OHL games. He's on pace for about, I think, like 92, 96 points. So that's yeah. looking pretty good. Another guy I just want to quickly highlight, Max Warner, which mm-hmm. I've, I've been mentioning to you if, you if you ever do go to a Pats game when they play the Warriors next time. No, nice I hear lots he, about him. How he looks, because he... He's signed to an entry level contract right now, taken in the seventh round in 2021. Six foot, 385 pound, right shot defenseman from Estevan, Saskatchewan. God, that's sick. That's Uh, so sick. Currently has 28 points in 35 games, on pace for about 49 points, 12 goals in 61 games. So, and had a really great playoff. I mean, he only played nine games in the playoffs last year, but had seven points in nine games. So, this is a player that maybe could have some nice. Long-term, yeah. long-term use. Because he's playing with the stud Braden Jaeger. But I that yeah. moose shot that moose shot team's gross. Yeah, I'm. I think that there's a lot of uh, there are a few guys to be excited about. I wish there was a little bit more uh, high-end, uh, like high-end offensive talent at forward. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think that there's a lot of like top four, middle six guys on this raw or in this. Uh, in the system, but you can't go wrong with those guys. Speaking of high-end offensive talent, it is expected that Evander Kane is going to be back in the lineup this week. He's very oh, close yeah. to being back. Let's go get excited, get up. It's been a long time coming, so we're excited to see Kaner get back in there and see the jolt he's going to give to that uh, to that top six for the Oilers. Just the dimension that he adds to of of you know the type of player that he is, but what he allows Woodcroft to do with the lines um, and makes this forward group so much more gives it so much more depth. I'm I'm just excited that he's going to be back. Yeah, I, I'm I I'm actually really happy that we recorded today and not Tuesday because Tuesday was right after the LA game, so I was very salty because I just kept on hearing this stuff from like Bob Stoffer and the rest of the Oilers media where it was like it, they were summing up. Ken Holland's bad roster construction and they were chalking it up to, oh, well, he couldn't have predicted that Evander Kane would have that horrible injury. And I'm like, and I, I, I put a, a tweet that people weren't too happy about, but I basically said, like, it's kind of messed up that we're, we're trying to chalk up the misfortunes of this team going below 500 on a complimentary player on this team. And I know Evander Kane is a really good player, but he is a complimentary player. Like, he's not a Leon Dreisaitl. He's not a Connor McDavid. He's not even, like, a Darnell Nurse. Like, he's a great player, but I'm just—but people didn't like the fact that I said complimentary player. But, but you, you can't seriously look at me and say, oh, we—what what, what, what could Ken Holland have done in this situation? Um, but luckily, team's playing well now, so I'm not going to complain. And he's coming back, so we're happy. And he's coming back. Let's go. Let's go. Good to see. Nolan, okay. N- NHL stuff. This is where we've got a lot to talk about. I don't know when NHL All-Star voting closes. Do you have any idea off the dome? Mm-mm. 
Mm-mm. Well, regardless, the NHL revealed their initial NHL All Stars last week. Um, so this is the main concept that the Oilers or that the uh, NHL likes to do, and it's one player from each team is selected for the All Star game, so that we have all the franchises represented. Dog shit. Anywho, the Atlantic Division: Tage Thompson, love it. Don Larkin, mm. Matthew Kachuk, mm. Nick Suzuki, mm. Brady Kachuk. Mm. Steven Stamkos, good call. Mitch Marner, good call. Linus Allmark. Um, so Thompson's from Buffalo. Larkin's from Detroit. Kachuk's from Florida. Suzuki's from Montreal. Brady Kachuk's from Ottawa. Steven Stamkos from Tampa Bay. Marner from Toronto. Allmark from Boston. I, I saw I saw Boston and Mitchell for a second, and I'm like, I says pardon. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I was that, like, that, oh, oh, whoopsie daisy. <laughs> that would be a stone cold stunner. He is so back. I. <laughs> I just wanted to quickly mention it's kind of fucked up that Nikita Kucherov, who's like third in league scoring, is not oh. picked as the, the oh, Lightning's representative. Nolan, there is so so. You're, okay, yeah. So Mitch Marner, who's who's playing great, he's having a great year. You're not going to pick Austin Matthews, who was your league MVP last year, as a representative from of, Toronto. Face of your most important franchise in the league, like, right? The the guy about? that. The guy that is supposed to grow hockey in the Southwest, and you're like, no, we want Mitch Marner, who got robbed for his Range Rover in Toronto last year. Yeah, disgusting. We want we want, we want Mitch Marner, who's going to perform a gritty after doing a shootout goal. Ugh. Anyway, we move on to the Metropolitan Division. Andre Svechnikov from Carolina, Johnny Gaudreau from Columbus, guy who went to Columbus because he wanted to win hockey games. Jack Hughes from the Devils, Brock Nelson, <laughs> worst pick of this entire from the game. Islanders. <laughs> Kevin Hayes from the Flyers, who's saying not so fast for the worst pick. Sidney Crosby from the Penguins, Ovechkin from the from the Capitals, and Igor Shosturkin from the Rangers. So this is sick because out of the entire Eastern Conference, uh, not one defenseman is is selected as an NHL All Star. Insane. Look at that. Not like... one defenseman was selected as an NHL All Star, and you're gonna sit there and tell. Me that the reigning MVP Austin Matthews is an all star, but Brock King Nelson is. I, I, at least, if you're gonna do an all star off the Islanders, could you throw like Barzal, Barzal. Or something, like something exactly? Like, like, come on, man. I think they or actually like, had Pellet go last year, which is really funny. Like, a shutdown yeah. defenseman gets like, picked to go. <laughs> I don't, I just want to sit in a room and talk to somebody about from the NHL about how they go about this because it's ridiculous. And then you're like, oh, well. Let's let's look at the Western Conference because there's no way they can do worse. And they're like, <laughs> just wait. Okay, so from the Central Division, Clayton Keller from Arizona, Jason Robertson from Dallas, Kirill Kaprizov from Minnesota, Vladimir Tarasenko from the Blues, Josh Morrissey from the Jets, Seth Jones from Chicago, <laughs> Kale McCarr from Colum- or from Colorado, and Yusa Saros from Nashville. This is not bad. This is not bad. And yeah. then you remember that Vladimir Tarasenko went on long-term injured reserve, maybe not long-term, but injured reserve two days before this came out. So That's the NHL tough. had ample, they had ample amount of time to figure it out. It's tough. It's not a good look. It's it's a very bad look. Pacific Division. Troy Terry from Anaheim. So not your not your video game cover guy in, in Trevor Zegers, the one that you handpicked to be in the All-Star game last year. No, you're going with Troy Terry. Nazem Kadri from Calgary. Kevin Viala, Kevin Fiala from LA. Maddie Berniers from Seattle. Elias Pettersson from Vancouver, Eric Carlson from San Jose, Logan Thompson from Vegas, and Conrad McDervinson from Edmonton. 
So it's a little bit better out West. Again, hilarious that Vlad T hits IR two days before this was announced in the NHL. Couldn't just smash a Rob Thomas or Jordan Cairo mercy pick from the Blues. They just had to look inept and put a hurt guy in. Seth Jones from Chicago, too, seems a little bit yucky to me. But I, I guess um, uh, Patty Kane's hurt. So what else are you going to do there? Yeah, you got to throw a player from your junk team in there. <laughs> from your junk team. No uh, no golden child, Trevor Zegers has mentioned. So that's that's quite dumb. Uh, I do understand. So this is basically what they're doing is completely relying on their fan voting to get their stars in, um, which to me is is so stupid. So, like, where's Leon? Where's Miko Ratnan? Where's McKinnon? Where's Kucherov? Where's Pasto? Where's Nuge? That's half of your top 10 point producers currently not in not in the All-Star game automatically. And again, going back out east, Rasmus Dahlin, Adam Fox, Dougie Hamilton, three clear-cut All-Star defensemen from the Eastern Conference. One guy in there has a Norris from the past two years. Major American guy from a from a original six team. He's not automatically put in. Ridiculous. Um, Quinn Hughes... Uh, Roman Yossi, Miro Heiskanen, just embarrassing stuff done year after year where the NHL takes their all-star game and what they could do something really cool with just turns it into a, a bit of a shit show. So I don't know. It bothers me. I'm upset. We, um, we're, we're, uh, we're disappointed, but we're not surprised. Um, I would actually like to, I, I actually have a, a way, a way to fix this, believe it or not. Um, which is it's, it's, it's actually quite simple um which is um you split everything at back up into eastern and west eastern and western conferences you do a fan vote but the fan vote is only for a starting lineup so it's your starting six players that are on the ice so that would be three forwards two defensemen one goaltender for each conference so similar to what the NBA does with their starting lineup where the starting lineup is fan voted and then the reserves are usually done by coaches and GMs you do the exact same thing. So if you want Trevor Zegers in the lineup, fan vote will get him in. If you want Austin Matthews in the lineup, fan vote will get him in. Connor McDavid will probably do it. You go back, you you have the captains be the leading vote getters for both teams. So in this case, it would most likely be Connor would lead the Western, Austin Matthews would lead the Eastern, and then you know, and then you maybe you know what you do. Even if you don't do the Eastern and Western Conference thing anymore, you go back to what was so much fun ten years ago, which was brrr, the fantasy draft again. Bring that bad boy back. That thing was so much fun. The All Star Game draft. Yeah, I remember being a little kid and like specifically making sure that we were free that night so that we could watch that. That was the Friday night because they would do that. The Friday night skills comp would be the Saturday night and then the all-star game would be Sunday. Like it's, it is not hard to do this. And I don't understand why the NHL is continuously trying to do this thing with their division. Nobody gives a shit about your divisions. You, no matter how much you'll try and tout your Pacific Division bullshit, nobody's going to buy it. Nobody's going to buy your stupid rivalries. Nobody's going to buy the stupid, like, oh, I want to see Troy Terry play with Connor McDavid in the All-Star game. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. What they want to see is they want to see the best players on the ice. They want to see the stars of the league. They don't need a representative from each team. The Chicago Blackhawks are a complete joke. They do not deserve to have a player in the All-Star game. The Arizona Coyotes literally play in a college facility. They do not deserve an All-Star in this game. The friggin' um, the, the Islanders are putting in Brock Nelson. What are we doing? You can't put... Like, Boston, for example. Boston has Linus Olmark in there, and they are 
on pace to historically be one of the greatest teams of all time, and they have one representative? Are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? No, and you look like um, look at the Pro Bowl and the NFL. There's teams that don't have a representative that go MLB. There's guys to the All Star game that don't go. Like it is about putting your literal best foot forward, putting your best players out there. When the NHL is, as our next point here, competing for its life against the MLS for the fourth biggest professional sport, like you can't afford to put a Brock Nelson and a Kevin Hayes in when you could have a David Pasternak and an Austin Matthews. That's it. That's it. And like I, I I I appreciate the Kevin Hayes nomination because of everything he's gone through, and I think that that's a really nice story to have him in the game. But I mean, you bring this back to like I said, and I I hate to pick on Brock Nelson, but like what the hell's Brock Nelson doing in the All Star game? Like even Nick Suzuki, cool the 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 sixty point captain of the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, I guess he's the captain of the, one of the biggest franchises. But like you know, you mentioned Tarasenko. Um, even like freaking uh, like Matty Beneers has been good, but does he deserve to be an all-star representative? Does Nazem Kadri deserve to be an all-star representative for Calgary? Like, come on, what are we doing here? No, like exactly. But I don't know. They're, the, the best teams should have multiple guys going and like Leon Dreisaitl should be there hundred percent. McDavid should be there hundred percent. I think it would be really funny. Cause again, on that Tim and friends show, um, they were asking him, they're like, Oh, you hope that Leon gets picked or whatever. And he's like, Oh, well, I, I hope so because we have plans over the break together. So I just think it would be really funny if Leon didn't get in and Connor was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to go to the game. He wouldn't. I know that, but it would be cute. It would be funny if the NHL like screwed up so bad that, guys stayed home and then they were forced to go back to the drawing board and make something work. It's also just funny that they literally change this shit every year. They just yeah. they change it every year and it's so silly. But Nolan, back to that point about the NHL about to get rinsed by the MLS for viewership. Good work, Gary. Sportco released their 100 most watched US TV broadcasts of 2022. And the NHL was not there. I did see another graphic of just purely sporting events that were, I think, like game five of the Stanley Cup final was seventh or something like that. But regardless, we're going to go with the Sportico metric because it fits the narrative a little bit better. Um, but the NHL, you can see them clearly losing to everybody else. And like with the World Cup coming to North America in 2026 and already the grip that the World Cup had this year on everybody for, for soccer, like everybody was a soccer fan if you talked to them. During that World Cup run, people were watching big games and stuff. So um, it's scary. The NHL should be really, really worried about their place in the big four sports because the MLS could easily capitalize off that momentum. And if they're able to draw a big fish from Europe, like one of these good footy players, um, the NHL should really be really be worried because they're stagnant and they're not doing anything to to bring in new viewers. So I really hope it doesn't happen, but looks like the writing's kind of on the wall. Yeah, it's... <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I I I feel like I've could could go on for hours about this shit, but like this is such a cool game and it re- it really is and it's just the fumbling by Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and the rest of the board of governors is embarrassing. It's just utterly embarrassing. You see how cool the NBA is, you see how cool the NFL is. You see how cool even baseball gets it sometimes. Like they have faces of the game that are really interesting and hockey players may not be interesting, but the, but I almost said the Oilers, (laughs) but the NHL does not do uh, like, like does not take the proper steps to market these guys, the 
the best way possible. Like we should be seeing Connor McDavid in commercials for like progressive car insurance. We should see um, Austin Matthews in a like McDonald's commercial or something like that. But the reason that's not going to happen is because the, the league is continuously behind the eight ball on these things. And it's just, it's it, the all-star game is a prime example of this. It's like an absolute prime example. And they have one of the best products in hockey playoffs. The NHL postseason is one of the best things you can watch on television. And unfortunately, this is continuously an issue. And then, in a, and then you, you, you add to that, which is like, oh, we have piss poor, we have piss poor refereeing. Like it's kind of depending on which refs you get that night, you don't, you like, you don't know which game you're going to get called. So people are betting on these things. And now that betting is a, is a, is a massive partnership with hockey. Well, now you're running into an issue where people can't trust your product that that's on the ice because maybe a referee has a gripe with a player or something like that. I don't know. It's just, it's silly. There's so many problems in hockey and I don't understand why why we're continuously having to have this discussion. Uh, they just need to get us in a boardroom for about 45 minutes to an hour, free danishes, free coffees. And I think we'll get our case pretty quick. I'll be swallowing hot dogs and choking on them. <laughs> Who schedules these during lunch? I'm just the tiredest I've ever been. Um, Nolan, speaking of the tiredest you've ever been, Yaroslav Askarov. Remember him? I do. Yeah, for those of you who don't, very highly touted prospect, goalie prospect. He made his NHL debut for the National Predators against the Montreal Canadiens. He was the highest ever drafted Russian goalie at 11th overall in 2020, like Nolan said, the Dylan Holloway draft by the Predators and is one of, again, the most highly touted goalie prospects of, let's say, the past 10 years. Google him. Yeah. Google him. I want I want you to see him. Oh, hold on. Uh, I, feel, I actually think I thought I looked at him earlier. Uh, Yaroslav. And while everybody at home listening to this is, is waiting oh, to go- he does Google not him. Look, he does not look 20 years old. He looks Google like him. he... Yeah, I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks like he's 32. He looks like a real estate agent that you would see on a bus stop. He looks like a car salesman I would have worked with back in my early 20s. He looks like a grind talk mindset guy who's going to tell you that you have three days within one day and that's how he beats you. He look he looks like his favorite uh, Sirius XM station is ch- chill. <laughs> Yaroslav Askarov. They lost that game. Tough bounce. <laughs> tough, tough bounce for the kid. He's got like a 4.0 GAA. Yeah, so I don't not goaltending's voodoo, and we hope that the kid has a good career and, and you know everything like that. But uh, just fun to watch, just fun, just, to, not, fun, just interesting to see. Just not against the Oilers. Yeah, no, just a bet. Well, I mean, hey, he's a Nashville goalie. He's gonna get. Uh, he's gonna. He's gonna be murdered by Leon Dreisaitl every time they play. Anyway, the mayor of Nashville. Um, speaking of things that aren't great, Nolan, can we talk about the Canuck circus as it continues? It's one of my, it's one of my favorite, one of my favorite, uh, like what, what, one of my favorite soap operas of the season. It it is becoming reality TV. Yeah. I also, I'm going to mention something too, regarding the Canucks actually after you're finished up. Um, but, uh, yes, I want to talk about the Canucks. So the big talk out of Vancouver is that uh, Bruce, there it is, is supposed to be ushered out the door in favor of TNT panelist Rick Tockett. 
So it's get that's getting kind of sad because that's rumors been going on for like two weeks. And last night he was doing his interview after they lost to Florida. And he's like, just get up and go to work. And as long as I still have a job. And it was like, oh, Bruce. Yeah. Oh, that hurts to hear. And, and I think I think actually Elliot Friedman on the broadcast too was yeah. being like was like just just let him go like this yeah. is hard to watch. Put an intern, interim guy, not intern, interim person in there until Rick's available to take over. If that is the case, like just get him out of there. That's not fair for a guy who has a good uh, history and, and like storied history as an NHL coach who's, who's coached some good teams. He's a yeah. Jack Adams, doesn't he? Uh. I think I he won like he one might, with Washington. Yeah. yeah, he he might have one. He's a damn good coach. He's he a is, really, man. really, really good coach. Well, like I, I made the Bruce there it is comment because when he came to Vancouver last year, they were on a heater. Like they had a run for a few games where they were unstoppable. And that was largely, you know, thanks to him and what he brought in for game planning. It just sucks to see that Vancouver can't keep an ounce of consistency. But anyway, H-bombing Oliver Ekman Larson, who wears an A and makes $66 million, tough. News came out this week as well about Tanner Pearson, who's been out since November 9th with a hand injury. He's got surgery and will miss the rest of the year. His third hand surgery since getting hurt. Um, so when he was at, when, when asked about this, when news broke, Quinn Hughes said, quote, I feel bad for him. I mean, it wasn't handled properly. And, you know, it's not a really good situation uh, that he's got there. And hopefully he'll be all right, end quote. So that's that's quite tough as well. Yeah, like, and you would, you would, it's, it's quite funny that they, they traded for this guy and it was like the red flags were already there. Like, you traded for a guy that has five years remaining on his deal and he's making an ass boat of money and he's at the most your third best defenseman. And now he's getting H bombed. I thought you were talking about the Tanner Pearson injury. Oh, you're, shit. you're like, you're like, oh, it's shit. funny, and I'm like, oh, dude, it's not. Oh, like the shit. guy's so, hand just, is mangled. I'm sorry, I, sorry, I, I was just, I also was like processing something at the same time. So yeah, <laughs> but and and that's that the, like that's the thing about the Vancouver Canucks situation is that this entire season has just been a complete soap opera for them. Like, there's. It just it gets worse and worse. JT Miller, oh my god, another clip of JT Miller being a douchebag on the ice. <laughs> what did he do? Um, it was just like he just maybe it wasn't being a douchebag necessarily. Maybe it's more so just like he's just frustrated. But like he got back to the bench and fuck, boom, 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 because he's just so goddamn <laughs> mad with everything. But the Tanner Pearson situation is just it's that's tricky. Like especially when you get into problems like. And that's why there's a very fine line that you have to walk when it comes to dealing with players' injuries. Is like if you mess this up, players will not want to sign with your organization because they're going to look at you and say your training staff is not on par with what I need because I have to know that I'm safe. And if you're putting these guys back out there when they're not healed properly, well, I don't know, man. Yeah, hand injuries are tough. There's so many little bones in your hand that can. You know, if you're not complete, like you said, if you're not totally ready, if you're rushing it, um, you can set yourself back quite a bit. It's just interesting to me that Quinn Hughes said what he said. Like, that's a guy you have locked up and he doesn't sound yeah. very convinced that, you know, things are things are things are groovy in Vancouver. Yeah, no. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's one of your star players. It's like. 
that's one of your star players coming out and saying, uh, this isn't, uh, this isn't good. So you would hope that he would have the support of the, or you would hope that he would have the support of the team, but Quinn Hughes is a normal human being. So he clearly has the support of his teammate. So yeah, no doubt. Frustrating stuff to see. Um, the one thing I did want to mention though, that I did bring up, and this is kind of why I was a little bit sort of foggy there. Cause I'm just trying to sort of get all the information here. Um, but, uh, Vancouver announced, or the Vancouver Canucks just actually announced that um, uh, fan favorite uh, Gino Ojic uh, passed away. He was a f- he was he was one of their longtime enforcers they had, and they just put out a statement here saying the Vancouver Canucks and the Aquilini family mourn the tragic passing of G- uh, Gino Ojic. Uh, Gino was a fan favorite from the moment he joined the organization, putting his heart and soul into every shift on and off the ice. Uh, he inspired many. Uh, he inspired many. Embodied what it means to be a Canuck. Personally, he was a close friend and confidant, somebody I could lean on for advice and support. He will be deeply missed. This comes from uh, Chairman and Governor Fr- Francesco Aquilini. The entire Canucks organization extends our heartfelt condolences, uh, condolences and love to Gino's family and friends. Now, um, obviously, like I mentioned, uh, Gino was a longtime enforcer in uh, in the league. I ple- believe he played for upwards of twelve seasons. Um, but, uh, interesting tidbit about Gino is that, uh, he was, he was actually an indigenous man and his father had actually was a residential school survivor. So, um, a, a, a really big influence to the, uh, to the indigenous community. And I, I could only assume for guys like Jordan Tutu, uh, to really be able to come out and to really know that you're able to, you're, you're really able to find your way. And if you work hard enough, you'll be able to make it. So, um, Really tragic to see, but uh, thoughts uh, thoughts are with Gino, uh, with the Ojik family. And the Canucks, man. That sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You never want to see a fan favorite go. No. But, Nolan, sometimes we do need to talk about things going because sometimes things don't always go right. And, uh, Nolan, one of those things that doesn't always go right is calling somebody a rock star because the term rock star gets thrown around a lot these days. And specifically one of those, one of those things is the age old question of how close you should get with your coworkers. Many people walk this line incorrectly and end up getting burned, especially, especially in a world where asking too many personal questions can land you in some hot water with HL, HR. Well, today, Nolan, we look at the case of a Georgia, we're talking about the state, not country, woman named Robin Folsom. Now, Miss Folsom, um, who definitely will not be sending her coworkers a Christmas card next year, has a pretty interesting story. Are you strapped in? Are you ready to hear it? I feel like I know about. Is this the police officer? No. Oh, okay. I thought I I thought you were talking. I thought this was going to be about the female cop. I don't know if you heard no, about that. I did, Nolan, and I I don't know if I'm ready to call that rock star, <laughs> but um. Let's not beat around the bush. America has a shitty maternity leave law. In the state of Georgia, depending on the place you work, you get seven weeks off, so a little less than two months. Now, Miss Folsom, like millions of other Americans, gave birth and took some time off. Her partner, Bran Otmembembwe, called into her superior's office and said that she was doing well after the birth and that she'd be back after seven weeks paid, paid leave. Until her coworkers started noticing a few things about the baby pictures that she was sending them. Some inconsistencies in the pictures of the baby, like the skin tone, the way the kid looked. Um, Just basically through the photos that these different coworkers were getting, they were kind of off, right? Something Something made them question them. So their coworkers took their complaints to the state inspector. Um, oh, I missed a little line here, Nolan. Um, 
with that combined with her coworkers talking about her baby bump leading up to the birth being askew oh, and not nice. totally looking real, um, had them gave them enough evidence to, to take their complaints to the state inspector where the house of cards came crashing in. So not only did the state inspector find that her pregnancy was fake, he also found that her two previous pregnancies were not real. And her partner, Bran, the guy who called in to say that the, you know, that she was doing well, well, he's not a real person. What? Yeah. So now Miss Folsom is set for court on April 4th, 2023, where if she is found guilty of fraud, she's looking at 25 years in jail and over $100,000 in fines. And she would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for those meddling kids. Let her go. <laughs> Dude, you kind of got res- you kind of got to respect the grind a little bit. You you do. You you have to you have to like give her credit. I think that it's kind of one of those things where you could like slap her on the wrist and be like, hey, don't do this again. But that was pretty sick. No, dude, that's three maternity leave terms of like full pay from the state. That's nearly, the pre- that's, that's nearly one presidential term. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> that's ludicrous. Like, I don't know, man. And if she just would have like not sent her coworkers pictures of the baby, but like, you know how people are, right? They're like, I want to see the baby. If she could have just not done that and been like, please respect my privacy. I just gave birth. I don't want to show you photos of my child, blah, 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 blah. Like, she would have been fine. She could have had it. She could have done what, like, every famous athlete does, which is put, like, the fake, which is put, like, the the fake uh, glasses emoji over top of the child in the Instagram post (laughs) to not not give away the identity. Exactly. That'd be pretty baller. But, um, Quite literally, basketballer. Quite quite literally, basketballer. So, quite rock star. not so rockstar getting caught, not very rockstar defrauding the taxpayers of Georgia. And yeah, I do respect the grind. And it's a very, I think it's a really funny story. So Robin she got Folsom, away with it. She got away with it once. She's like, this is easy. This yeah. Is it, 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 this, this, this is the con of the century. She's like fucking Danny Ocean out there. <laughs> the, I think the telltale sign, like I think what tipped a lot of people off was between pregnancy two and three, it was three months and she was back at work yeah, or ridiculous. she was back at work. And three months after she's like, yo, I'm pregnant again. So it's like, it was, that was a quick turnaround. Those were Irish twins. Yeah. You're like, yeah, buddy's pop, buddy's pumping some good stuff in there. <laughs> fake buddy to fake not even buddy. find an accomplice brand. dude that's clean man that's Br- clean brand is also such a sask name yeah <laughs> but hey, she, brand. Didn't, she didn't want to because loose lips sink ships so she didn't want to bring another person into the fold that could potentially get her in trouble so she made a fake like that's smart too that's a it's lot a of this is a deep criminal con. move this is a deep con and i respect it but I, I i don't love it but i respect it rockstar of the week robin Folsom. Who is now going to be singing Folsom Prison Blues. Oh, look at that. The way he just ties it all together. Uh, it is what it is. You know, we love to see it. Folsom, Folsom Prison Blue and Oranges. <laughs> oh. Folsom Prison Orange is the new black. Oh. Whoa. Shout out, um, Robin. Well, Miles, this was a little rickety on my part, but <laughs> I think I think I'll be back to normal next week. But I think this is a good show. I think this is a good show. And I'm hoping that the Oilers have a good week this week. Um, mm-hmm. should, we, uh, should, we, should we go over those last few games? Yes, sir, because we've got Seattle 
for the rubber match back Tuesday, January 17th. They are coming off of a seven-game road trip, dub banger. They beat uh, Boston in Boston, which not a lot of teams have been able to do this year. Seven straight wins on the road. They're going bananas. So it'll be nice to see them against the Oilers again, like I said, for the rubber match. Let's see who can win that three-game series. Uh, It'll be massive. They've got the Tampa Bay Lightning Thursday, January 19th, and then they are at the Vancouver Canucks Saturday, January 21st. Nolan, that three is going to turn into a six. It's going to be a three-game win streak this week. Their boys are buzzing, and they are not ready to let off the gas. I'm currently banging my head off the microphone. I can see. I can see, and it looks painful. Three and zero. Three and zero. We got two three and zeros. This doesn't happen very often, so we gotta enjoy it while while we can. The boys love it. We are buzzing. The Oilers are buzzing. Big week coming up, Nolan. Um, wanted to quickly mention before uh before we get out of here, you'll notice that you're getting this on a Monday. We are officially going to get back to a consistent recording schedule of recording on Sundays now because Sundays work probably the easiest for the two of us realistically um so you'll always have the show every monday morning uh if there are any issues we'll let you know on twitter and instagram and all that stuff and um should we mention the big thing i get you take it away cowboy uh well one for one is officially uh excited to announce that we have a new partner we have a sponsorship we have we're going to be doing an ad read next week uh we're partnering up with um a company called betstamp we'll have a little bit more info about it for you next week but they will be sponsoring the show uh for the next for the foreseeable future here uh and we're looking forward to this and uh it's the beginning of a long outstanding relationship with a company to sponsor the show because everybody sponsors the show if anybody else wants to sponsor the show we'll take your money so now, no more free ads. There's officially ads. We're sorry we had to do it to you, but we're glad we got to. And uh, yeah, we're really excited to spread the good word of bet of Betstamp, the good folks over there, what they're able to do, and we're excited to tell you all about it. Get you set up there and get you rocking and rolling. But Nolan, with that out of the way, we are officially done with season three, episode ten of the One for One podcast home of hot takes and even hotter listeners. Thank you for joining us. And as always, boilers go. Boilers go.